All right. What? You said go for it. I've done it. (laughs) I do the intro every time. You. All right, everybody. We are back with another Identical Draw podcast. And this week we have Ted from the Hunting Public joining us to talk about scouting, um, early season whitetails, um, some of his favorite hunts, and kind of we discuss his bow setup. We really jump all over the place. Yeah. Ask him some Instagram questions. Ask him about some uh, just some public hunting questions, um, which is interesting if, if it's getting more busy. Um, how many folks do you need to see until you get the heck out of a place and go go hunt somewhere else? We also ask him the, the million-dollar question of if he had a million dollars, if he was just really rich, if he'd keep hunting public or start hunting private ranches every single day. Um You'll be surprised by his answer. <laughs> um, I think that is everything. Uh, Vortex Optics, obviously, the sponsor of this podcast. Um, and we've had a lot of questions, actually, about our rangefinders lately. And they just dropped a bunch of new rangefinders. Um, I think it was May or June. But if you need a rangefinder this upcoming season, you need to head over to Vortex Optics and check those out. They have new Diamondback, new Crossfire. And there's one more on there that I don't remember. Is it a new, um, is it Viper? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, they have a bunch of options for rangefinders, and they have the red reticle in there, the red dot that you can see, which is, see, that's a hot tip because most, most companies, um, not Vortex, like, like give you like the non red, um, optics. Like when you hit the button to range, like you have to spend more money, but with Vortex, you get the red with the cheap product, which I really, really like. You don't have to spend an arm and a leg for a rangefinder. Yep. That's the way to go. So thank you, Vortex. And let's get to the podcast. I think that's about you're a, you an Iowa resident. Yes, I okay. am. Cool. What are you, you guys are from Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We're Lincoln. So, so Ted, what are the, like, as far as deer hunting goes, what's the, what's like the perk to being an Iowa resident? You get a resident tag every year. You get two, two buck tags. I would say that's the okay. Main perk. Gotcha. That's giant, giant, it's like 20, 20 bucks or 30 bucks, something like that for a bow tag. Yeah. As a resident. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I saw that they were like thinking about changing rules on the non-resident landowner things. Did they, did that anything ever change along with like getting a tag if you buy land? Um, I honestly, I don't really know. I haven't heard anything about that. The only thing I know that is changing for the next year is they're making a January antlerless season. Mm. So they've never had that before. And it's like for semi-auto rifles or something. Mm. So that'll be, that's the only change that I really know of for the next, next fall. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it's, I was turned into a five year draw yeah. state for, yeah, you, you probably know Eric Barber a decent bit. We, uh, turkey hunted with him and uh-huh. I know, I know he had four points and he didn't draw again. He was, he didn't, <laughs> he was, get, it with four. He didn't get it at a four. Yep. So I guess it's taken five. And by the time we're drawn, it'll probably take freaking six. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I've heard. It takes around four or five for a bow, and then I think with a gun, it takes less than that, like one or two maybe. Yeah, that's cra- heard, it's honestly crazy that you can you can get a gun tag easier. We're like we do a lot of hunting in Kansas, um, so but we still have to apply for one non-resident tag. We get one landowner tag, um, and that I feel like that's going to be going in the direction of the of a harder draw. And I know a lot of people already aren't getting tags, and it's probably going to come down to a, a point system like Iowa soon in the mm-hmm. next couple of years, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. since we're already kind of rolling, we might as well just have Ted, you can introduce yourself, kind of tell people uh, what you do and uh, we can go from there. Okay. Um, I'm Ted Zangerly and I work for the hunting public and I film and hunt with them all over the country for, deer and turkey and elk mm-hmm. that's pretty much yeah the main main deal so yeah that's a good gig um deer yeah so how long have you been doing that um i started doing that in 2018 um 
I got hired on as an intern. I think it was July of 2018. So I've been doing it for, what is that? Five years now, yeah. or four or five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang, that's cool. Um, so we're really going to talk to Ted about early season stuff with whitetails. A lot of summer scouting stuff. Obviously, it's uh, late June now. Um, so that's, at least for me and Tom, it's starting to get on the top of our, our brains. But um, kind of right off the bat, do you put, I mean, do you put any time into summer scouting? Or is it kind of like when you go on these hunts, is it just try to get there maybe with some time in advance and just do the scouting during the hunting or like how much, how much do you put into summer scouting? Um, it's a little bit of both. I would say since a lot of the hunts that we're doing is we're traveling from Iowa to go somewhere. Like yeah. this year we've got Wyoming tag and Forbes got a Wyoming tag and I've got a Kansas tag. Um, one thing that we do try and do with those trips, is if we have time during the summer, we'll drive. We will drive out there for two days or three days if we yeah. if we can if we have time to, and mostly just drive around all the stuff. I mean, a lot of times we won't even get out of the car. Um, we'll just drive around, like because in Kansas, all those little weehaw pieces mm-hmm. are spread out all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, just driving around out there would help us narrow down what we want to focus on, I guess. Yep. Um, but around Iowa, we definitely, we definitely will do some summer scouting in Iowa, um, new places that we haven't been into before, you know, sometimes new pieces will be bought for public ground. Mm-hmm. So we'll go and check those out. Yep. Um, and that's mostly just diving in and going through every inch of it as mm-hmm. much as we can and out seeing what looks good and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, so that's, I would say those are the two main things that come to mind when I think about summer scouting, mm-hmm. driving around and checking out new pieces. Um, a lot of times we've already been into a lot of spots in Iowa. So, and the nice thing about here is you can drive around and see, see deer from the road. Right. And even if they are on private, but there's public close by, since we've already been into so many pieces and have a good idea of where the deer want to hang out. If we see a buck, um, on a certain part of the field, we already have a good idea. All right. He's probably hanging out in this bedding area or right around this spot. So that's kind of nice to already have been into some of those spots. Right. I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize like how much you can learn by actually like not even getting out of the car. Um, of course you can like, kind of break down the land even more but just driving by and and actually like seeing uh how it compares to like how it looks on onyx maps it can like it can really just like tell you right away like oh like this is a potentially huntable piece or it's not or what what is currently in there um, cows cows can be a huge thing that will you can't tell on a map most of the time um yeah i feel like people sometimes just go looking for the deer in the scouting thing but just seeing what the how the property lays is probably the most important part of it all yeah with all that but yeah, no, that's good to hear. Like, I don't think a lot of people are taking the time. I mean, obviously, you guys are are lucky to be able to like do this full time, so you can you can travel for that scouting stuff. But I feel like a lot of people on for their sure. out of state hunts, even if it's a, I mean, a bordering state, they don't they don't get that that summer scouting, and that can give you just that one or two pieces of where deer are moving and just how the land looks, if there's cows on it or whatever. So, that's for sure, a good call. Uh, I was. I was just looking at Kansas because I got the tag in Kansas this year and we were talking about going out there early September because I think it opens September 12th, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I've been looking at that map quite a bit and even just looking at that, I picked up, I was zooming in on all those Weehaw pieces out there and some of them don't open until November 1st. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't realize that some of them open later partway through the season you know yeah Yeah. helpful to find that out it didn't look like too many of them but there was some that i was looking at that didn't open up till later so Mm -hmm. i mean just constantly coming back to it looking at the map or just you know always thinking about it i guess you can pick up on different stuff like that that'll help you out and start narrowing it down 
soon as possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess for like early season um, whitetail tactics, kind of want to get your two cents on. I mean, some, some, I mean, obviously some states don't, I mean, open until October or whatnot. Um, but like hunting early season deer and like not even like, I mean, we can discuss bucks, but just like how early season deer work in like September and October. Um, and we can talk like the month of September and then maybe the first week or two of October, just those, those, like when those other seasons are opening up, how do you go about like finding good activity? Are you doing a lot of glassing? Are you still doing a lot of driving during that time frame? And then you can kind of break down because it, it, obviously it's going to depend on if you're hunting like more of like a Western whitetail or if you're hunting more of like a timber Iowa whitetail, um, kind of discuss your, like, let's just say you were going to do a like opening, like opening week in Iowa kind of thing, or like mid September in Nebraska, like how are you going to, um, go after those hunts? Um, early season in Iowa is a lot of times it's pretty tough just because it's like, seems like they're always making that switch from being out on fields to moving more into like timber, depending on if there's acorns or not. But if there is acorns, trying to find those trees that they're coming to can be a hard task. Yeah. I know like the last, last year we spent a ton of time walking around trying to find, um, trees that were dropping and that had fresh acorns under them and had real fresh sign under them. That was, that is always a tough thing to, Mm -hmm. to figure out. Um, but if you do find it, then it seems to be really, really good. Like a couple of years ago, Goots and I shot a buck on opening day Mm -hmm. and we had been in that spot, um, this, that summer, I think it was July. We went in there and just found a bunch of sign coming out towards a bunch of ag fields. Gotcha. And so we went back in there and had hung a camera and all there was a few bucks that were coming out towards those ag fields. And then they just quit coming out there. Yeah. Like a week or two before season opened up. Mm. So we were thinking about that and we had been up on some ridges, um, during August when we were in there and there was a bunch of acorns and a bunch of trails going up those ridges. So we decided to loop around and kind of pop up on those and just started looking for sign up there yeah. where we fixed be more acorns, you know, cause they were coming out of like Creek bottom ground where there was like maples and stuff like that. So we looped up on those ridges and right away started finding a bunch of sign. So we set up there and ended up shooting that buck, but, um, it just can be tough cause it, they weren't moving very far at all. Like I'm pretty sure they were bedded right over the, cap of the ridge down in a little drainage yep. and then they just popped up on that ridge and started eating acorns and right. ended up walking in shooting them but mm-hmm. yeah that out west is is definitely an easier task mm-hmm. when it's early season yeah you can get up somewhere and, and spot deer like last year we were in wyoming and that's what we were doing the whole time is getting yep. up high and blasting down in the creek bottoms and end up spotting spotting bucks down in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, I would say the main thing when we're hunting a place like Missouri or Iowa and it's early season like that, if we can locate or figure out what deer are feeding on that time, like whether it's red oaks or, or white oaks or a patch of beans that's still a little bit green in certain spots, if you can find that, then you got something to go off of yeah, basically. Definitely. Like if we do find, if we do find that the deer are feeding on red oaks or something, I mean, we'll do a lot of walking to just try and find a tree that's dropping fresh acorns with a yeah. bunch of sign under it, which can be pretty monotonous. But if you do find it, it, it seems to, yeah. to pan out. So yeah. How are you, how are you locating or how are you figuring out what, what food source a deer are using? Are you just like simply putting in time and, and actually just putting in enough sits to where you get a gist of what, what you've seen enough deer eating this certain thing, or is it 
like or is there some sort of sign on the ground that you guys are picking up on or, or what, what what's that look like yeah usually usually we'll find sign like middle of the day or you know if we hunt in the morning say and then we get down and start scouting around because we usually we have all day to to be out there yep so most people have that much time necessarily but we're lucky enough we get all day to be hunting them so like if we hunt in the morning and we think you know maybe we see a deer go by or something so there we know that there's deer in the area we'll walk and check different trees and just be looking for fresh acorns and then you can usually see where deer have been you know the leaves will be kind of turned up and then um there'll be acorn caps mm-hmm. and there's just stuff like that or fresh fresh rubs even yep. yeah stuff for like sure that. cool yeah so one one thing that i think you guys um all of you guys at thp do the best is just that the constant scouting like constantly staying in it and just looking for that fresh sign just that being the prevailing thing with where you're going to sit you're not ever getting stuck in just a rhythm of something you're just like i'm going to hunt fresh sign that's how it's going to happen so i saw a post today that made me laugh it was like every time you go into a, a buck's bedding area you're educating him like he's learning everything that you do every step you take every time you go in there you're educating him like is that something like you guys even consider like doing these hunts? Um, or is it just like, no, I'm just going to deer hunt and I'm not going to worry about educating a big buck. Like, do you think people put too much into that? Or do you think like, Oh, sometimes I feel like we do too much. And I think we do educate deer. How how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, it depends. Like, I guess it depends if we've got like a lead on, on a certain area and we are pretty cautious, I guess. Most of the time when it's in season, we're pretty cautious about where we're walking around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still, we're still putting on the miles and looking for that fresh sign. But, um, if there's a certain thicket that's next to an oak flat or something that we think a buck could be in, we're usually pretty careful, make sure not to blow that area out, not right. put our, blow our scent in there even when we are checking around like the perimeter of it, I guess, trying to figure out where something might be coming out. But Mm -hmm. like this time, I mean, we'll walk right through wherever we want. We don't worry about it right now. Yep. Even up to middle of August or, you know, anytime I would say up to going to start hunting really. Yeah. We don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. But when we are in the, yeah, we're, we're pretty careful about it. Unless, unless we're, really not on anything then sometimes we'll get pretty rammy yeah and just start diving in there right but um yeah we're pretty careful most of the time when mm-hmm. it's in season and then it's like and then you have those uh, those hunts like when i'm pretty sure is the hunt with i think it was warp killed the one that you guys busted the day before was that yeah and then it, yep. i think that was iowa and then uh, it was like on the ground and i'm like a lot of people after they're blowing that deer out are not coming in there for like a long freaking time. Yeah. And you guys just know that level of, "Ah, I don't really think he was onto us that much. He probably just got a little wind or something. And then you just jumped right back in there. I feel like it's, it's important for people like to stay positive mentally. Like even our December hunts when we both had success, both times we busted those getting into that spot. Yeah. And we ended up killing bucks. Yeah. Both, both times. And I think, yeah, you guys obviously do a great job of, of realizing how much is too much. And if you can go back into a spot after yeah, doing that for sure. sure. So the thing, yeah, go ahead. One thing about that, that hunt of warbs, you know, after it was all done and he was showing, showing us on the map, like he bumped that buck in one spot and they didn't bump it real hard. Like I don't remember if he smelled him or, or what happened exactly. I wasn't on that one, but, um, they killed that buck in a pretty, probably, I don't know, 500 yards or half mile from where they bumped him. Like mm. he wasn't, he wasn't in that same spot where he, they bumped him gotcha. from. He was in a completely different area, mm. bedded down, um, in a different spot. So, yeah. um, yeah, it all, it's, it's a tricky thing to, to figure out. And I think sometimes you just, if you're out there and you just keep 
keep at them, you know, eventually you end up in the right spot. And that was, that is a good example of he bumped that buck, but then he, he kept after it and he made a little, came in from a different access, popped up on the same ridge system, but then was hunting a different area where he thought he might've went to when they bumped him. Mm -hmm. And then he came up there. Right. So that was pretty, pretty freaking crafty really. And I mean, I don't think I would have done the same thing, honestly. Like it, it was pretty significant change from where they bumped him to where they, they killed him. So, um, I don't know. It's all, it's all, that's what's so fun about it. Cause they're all different. You never really know what they're going to do. Yeah. And you just got to have sometimes a giant dose of luck go your way too. I mean, you got to put the puzzle together, but at the end of the day, you just right. got to have that deer move where you, where you made the move to. But yeah, no, I, I think that was just a good, um, hunt for people to see that learning experience and just taking that. Cause I feel like a lot of people like, like talk, Oh man, like that deer is going nocturnal. And I'm like, no, that big buck is still moving a ton like during the daylight hours and stuff like that too during i mean prime time i mean who knows how much they really pay attention to it i mean I, we've heard from a lot of people that man like when it's go time in the whitetail woods just storm where you want to storm and just go after because even if you bump a buck like the odds of him running running back through a few hours later like i mean what the heck like it, it could happen i mean yeah. i think it was one like i think i think it was zach and maybe jake killed one that they, I think that I think it's the same buck that they spooked. I think this last season, and then came right back into him, and he did the frontal on him. And I'm like, that same thing. I oh mean, yeah. It's. I mean, we've gotten off our early season tactic, but just like that's what bucks. I mean, sometimes I feel like people put too much emphasis emphasis into them just being like super, just like way ahead of you all the time. It's like, ah, eh, they might forget about you in like three minutes, and then want to be back exactly where you just bumped them from, and <laughs> they'll be on your way. Right. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so early season, um, kind of wanted to get your, your take on like, what kind of, what kind of deer are you looking for? Like, are you guys punching a lot of doe tags during that time frame, Or are you like, obviously a shooter buck's going to get shot anytime, but like, what, what are you guys kind of looking for during those early season hunts? Um, as far as like, if we're going after big bucks, yeah. Are you like, are you trying to put a, yeah, put a hunt on a, on a big jump. I mean, obviously you want to shoot a big buck, but like, is that, is that kind of what you guys are going after? Or are you just kind of going after let's maybe learn some Intel for later in the fall when things are better or just like try and fill some doe tags or what, what, how do you go after it? Um, usually I guess it kind of depends because like we're on, when we're on the trip, usually, obviously it's like go full bore and try and kill a buck. Yeah. Cause you're there for a on times mm-hmm. in Iowa that's different I mean we're always trying to be after bucks every hunt but sometimes we'll pump the brakes if we think you know a week later it'd be a better time to go in there right but that's that's Iowa because mm-hmm. we have that hunt. but on those trips I mean we're always just going to the highest odds place where we think we can kill a nice buck you know mm-hmm. i know last year it was pretty hot for the first week or two of the season and i was hunting with roy our intern and we'd been going trying to find fresh buck sign and kept hunting it every day after day and we weren't getting on anything and i had like two or three doe tags in my pocket and so finally i was like all right screw it let's go try and shoot a doe mm-hmm. so that's what we and got in the spot and just shot a doe just because we were sick of getting our butts kicked. Yep. But yeah, definitely sometimes when in, we're in Iowa, we'll back off of the spot if we think it's going to be better down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after like having killed a number of bucks, Ted, do you have like a certain age class of buck you like want to take or um, like a certain size of buck that you'll pass or like, like where do you stand there? Like right now going into like the 2022 season? Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold out for a bigger deer. Cause I'll have a Kansas and an Iowa tag this year is all I know of at this point. I don't, yeah. I don't have plans of getting on any other tags. Um, so 
especially if those are the only two tags I have, then I'll definitely try and wait for, you know, three or four year old buck or mm-hmm. higher. For yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll try and wait for a bigger one, but I get pretty excited when bucks start. Yeah. Coming. Exactly. <laughs> you can't really have a much better of a lineup than Iowa and Kansas for the fall. Mm-hmm. That'll be, that'll be a good, good fall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I wanted to get your take on uh, what are some of your favorite states for hunting, like the early season whitetail that you guys have done since you've hunted so much. Like, if you were to give three, I don't know if you've hunted like early season whitetails in, a, in several states, but like if you were to give three of your favorite states that um, gave you opportunity at just fun whitetail hunting early season, what would you say? Uh, I've hunted, let's see, I've hunted. Kentucky in September, Missouri in September, Wyoming in September. Um, I think those are the only three that I've hunted mm. early two whitetails in in September. Yeah. And then I start hunting in October. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if I was going to recommend somebody to go to a certain state for September, I would say to go out west probably. Yeah. Be that would be what I would do because yep. you can usually it's a little bit cooler temperatures mm-hmm. than a Missouri and you can get up and try and glass something and stalk something. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. Kentucky right. is Kentucky a lot of fun when we did that in 2018, but it was like 90 some degrees every day. Yeah. And off the whole time, mm-hmm. yeah. but we ended up deer on soybeans. So, Mm-hmm. It ended up being fun, but I would mm-hmm. recommend, if I'd recommend it, I would say, yeah, go out west. Yeah. yeah go out west sure. and hunt, hunt whitetails or go, go hunt elk if you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what, I mean, that's what our September's really turned into. Western muleys, elk, um, the trickle of, of whitetails here and there, but mainly really don't really start getting after them hard until October. We want to, but we, that's how it yeah. usually lays, but, um, yeah. yeah. So do you guys hunt a lot of like openers, like opening week, or do you guys stay away from those? I mean, do you guys ever think that gets pressured heavier? We in Nebraska, I mean, we had hunted opening week up until, well, until this year, we're not going to just last year was a joke. Um, we were just hunting muleys out, out in Western Nebraska. And, um, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't get away from anybody, but, um, do you guys try to stay away from that? Or is that something you don't really care about? Uh, usually, usually we'll go opening week, but it all kind of depends on what other hunts we have, you know, mm-hmm. if it makes more go later in the year. I know last year we hunted Missouri opening week and it was pretty crowded there Yeah, in all the spots that we do, but yeah, it all, all just kind of depends on, on what that year looks like, I guess, right. but. I know opening week for Wyoming deer and probably Kansas will hunt opening week. And so cool. Sweet. We don't usually shy away from it Mm -hmm. because we're always trying to be hunting. So we will go right in. Honestly, turkeys is another deal because opening week is like a big thing. We try and get there on opening or like a day or two before opening day, find bird and kill them as yeah. soon as we can. Cause right. otherwise you get a bunch of people in there and then they shut up and then mm-hmm. pretty tough after that. Right. But yeah, turkeys I think is definitely, we try and be there opening, opening week for turkeys, but deer's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's see here. Um, I guess, um, I, I wanted to, one of our questions from, um, our Instagram was how often do people recognize you when you're hunting or traveling? Do you, I mean, a lot or not, not as much as you expect, or how, how does that go down? Like how many times have you been walking out into the field and be like, Oh my gosh, I recognize you. Uh, it's, it's become more frequent as the years go on, yeah. I would say, but yeah, I would say it's pretty frequent, but yeah. it's cool. It's, I mean, it, it automatically 
get to talk to somebody and usually they're a lot pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you didn't know them, they probably wouldn't right. be nearly as nice. For sure. So yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome to run into people. Yeah. But yeah, it happens, happens quite a bit. I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can get a few other ones in Pull here. up some Instagram questions. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, we've had a lot of, um, bow questions, arrow setup. Um, so are you on the heavy arrow trend? Uh, yeah, I'm on the heavier, heavier, heavier arrow trend. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's your, that. uh, yeah. Give your bow and arrow setup. I'm shooting the, well, I will be shooting the. I don't know when that comes out exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's supposed to. We can, we can put it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll either shoot that one or the, the bear species bow, mm-hmm. which is what I've been shooting. But this is, I guess this is the newer, newer version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll shoot the THP arrows from vector. Cool. And I got a insert in there. And then I usually shoot a 125 grain Magnus broadhead, Magnus cool. black hornet. And it comes out to like 550 grains. Mm-hmm. So I like that weight because it, my bow is a single cam and my draw is like 28 and a half. And I draw, I'm now drawing like 70 pounds. Usually I was, before I was drawing 60. So with those real heavy arrows, I was getting a lot of drop. Yeah. And even with these 550, I was getting, I'm getting quite a bit of drop, yep. which I don't love it is what it is. I still, I still think the 550 is a pretty good number for me. I guess mm-hmm. seems like, seems like it will go through bones if it had enough. Maybe not the, maybe not the humorous must, humorous bone or whatever. Right. But it goes through the, goes through the shoulder good yeah. enough. I would say for yeah. liking, and I don't have to worry about drop too much. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's what I've, I've got. I want to, I want to use a single bevel at some point here. I just haven't, haven't made the switch yet. Yeah. I don't have all the sharpening stuff. Yeah. No, that seems to be a good route. I was watching, I think Aaron was talking about those single bevels and how much he was sharpening. Like he was like, this one broadhead took me like 45 minutes. And I'm like, dang, like that would be epic. But that's, yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. But we were talking, we had a, Giannis Patelis um, from Meat Eater on the podcast yesterday, and he's he's got I think he shoots a single bevel, and I think his arrow weight was like was it six fifty? Yeah. yeah, it might have been. So yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got a heavy one too. He's like he's like I shot like white tail pass through. Um, I just gotta imagine that arrow is just like a rainbow, just like arcing oh, yeah. down. As soon he's as like he... I mean a Neil guy, which is like a giant animal. Like I mean bigger and thicker than an elk. I think he's yeah. like. I basically had a quarter and away shot and it went through like 36 to 40 some inches of penetration, almost like popped out its chest. I'm like, that is some serious, like, I don't know. That's some serious penetration on that yeah. arrow setup, but yeah, that's it. I think you and Greg actually shoot right around 650 or something like that too. Mm-hmm. So that's more on the extreme side, I think, I guess, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know if it would work great for my bow setup. Mm-hmm. Be pretty. I mean, I think it would work all right. Just would have to really know the range. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't know. With with all of our western stuff with antelope and Nebraska muleys, like I feel like we kind of rely on that fifty to sixty yard shot sometimes. And I'm like, I just don't think we can have we can have that arrow setup. I mean, it makes you want to have different setups for. Um, kind of like our close range or whitetail stuff. And then our Western, like where you might need to poke out to 50, 60 yards for a shot. Um, because I mean, that's just not very doable with a heavier arrow, but that's, it's definitely, I mean, if you're shooting that heavy, it's definitely nice when it comes to contact and maybe not the most ideal shot. Cause obviously even with the light arrow, if you hit them where you're supposed to, I mean, it'll zip right through, it'll zip right through them, but yeah, that's not always the case. So Ted, where are you at? Like on the whole, um, release thing are you uh using like a uh index finger release or back tension where, where, do you, where do you stand there i've always just used the index finger release mm-hmm. yep so actually never used anything else so mm-hmm. i've always 
use that. I should maybe try the hinge release I've always thought mm-hmm. just to practice pulling through the shot a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I haven't used anything other than the yeah. index finger release. Yeah, this will be my first season not hunting with one of those, and it's it's a little terrifying. Um, just like I don't know, it's good and bad. If you know how, if you know like how to properly use like an index finger, I feel like it, it's it's like probably the best release for hunting because yeah. you can. I mean, for those quick situations, um, of course, if you like know how to use your resistance release super well and you use back tension how it's supposed to, you can get that shot off in a second, but there's something nice about being able to, um, have that index finger release while hunting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see how it goes for me. I don't know. I'm hoping I don't uh, let a couple of deer walk by, um, not on purpose. Yeah. But. What are you going to, you're going to use a hand release or yeah, I'm using the, uh, a back. It's a back tension, um, resistance release. It's a stands stand element. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the first like 30 minutes getting used to that and setting the weight, um, was terrifying. I, I didn't punch myself in the face during that process, but I have a couple times and it's frustrating. It's, it's <laughs> the, the freaking hardest part is it has the, it has a thumb safety that you have to draw back with. And once you get position, you take it off the safety and then just pull back with the back tension. But uh-huh. remembering to keep that thing on safety the whole time. And when you let down and stuff is just, and having it's used been a rough. an index finger yeah. release for gosh, like freaking 15 years. It, it's, it's, I, that's why I'm, I started in May and I knew I was going to need the whole summer to get used to it before hunting season. Yeah. Well, I hear you. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be pretty scary when you're out hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, yeah. I might have to try it myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point. Yeah. So, um, kind of wanted to get your take on when you're hunting public pieces, how, uh, Obviously public pressure is probably the biggest thing people are thinking about when they hunt public. Um, but how much is too much for you guys? When will you pull out of a spot and you go hunt somewhere else? Um, or like how much is, how much is okay to deal with when you're hunting whitetails? Um, it's really a person. It's like a personal like preference. I mean, for you guys. Um, but like basically like as far as like just pressure goes, like whether like you're willing to stick it out, if you see a couple of dudes or like you get to a point where you've just seen too many guys and it's time to move on. I would say when we get, we get to, we'll get to an area and I mean, we'll see it. I would say we'll see it through usually Yeah. if we have a good feeling about it or whatever. But if we get to a point where we just have gone into all the spots that we think would be, holding deer and then you know basically when we run out of options when there's too many people in the spots or we're seeing stands and spots that we want to go to that's when we'll pull out Mm -hmm. when we saw it through i guess Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're gonna go check a piece out and we drive around it and see there's a bunch of people in there we'll pull the plug right then right i mean it just kind of as we're going along but we, it comes back to just having the luxury of being able to just pick up and go wherever we want when we are on those trips. I mean, we'll drive across the state if we have to to right. find an area nobody at or less mm-hmm. people, you know? Yeah. So, um, I would say that's kind of our, what we go off of. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, yeah. When you're hunting an area and you just keep running into people and you keep running into people and you just eventually you just get the feeling, all right, this ain't the spot. Yeah. And you just leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's tough. You got to give it some time. Um, but you don't want to give it too much. You just got to know, just got to know that line of like, ah, I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think this is the place, but I feel like, um, within those first, those first couple times checking it out. Sometimes it's like, okay, seeing, seeing trucks can kind of get into your head and maybe it's not as, as bad as you think it is. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's tough for sure. Um, let's see what else I got here. Okay. Um, it's gotten easier just to just, uh, cross a spot off as we've 
done it more and more now. If we get to an area and we just don't have a good feeling about it, then we will just ditch it, you know? Yeah. But it's definitely a learning process, I think, for mm-hmm. when to pull the plug. Yeah. So how much are you guys doing um, ground hunting versus hanging a stand or a saddle? Um, does it just kind of depend on um, the time of the year with the leaves, or is it just um, if you have been to the spot before, or how are you making the decision to hunt on the ground or hang a stand or something? Yeah, that's mostly just based on the situation too. Like I would say I hunt on the ground or in a saddle 50, 50, you know, yeah. kind of probably, but I mean, I've most of the time I've always got the saddle with me because I like to have the option of going up a tree or sitting on the ground. Um, sometimes I won't get lazy to mm-hmm. say, Nope, I'm not yeah. leave it in the truck and dive in there. But a lot of times I try and have it with me and then, just as I'm going into a spot, make a decision from there. I would say that's the same with the rest of the group too. Yeah. So I think that's how I think about it. Yeah. Except I guess that that's on the ground, but mm-hmm. the rest of us, um, we'll take the saddle in case we want to use it. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think, is that definitely the preferred method for you or not necessarily? The saddle? Yeah. Taking it in and yeah. or Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's the preferred method. Yeah. I like to have getting up in a tree. Even if you're just getting up, uh, even if you just want to get up like one stick or something so you can see over some brush, mm-hmm. it's nice to have everything with you. Then you can just decide. And if you're going into a spot and halfway in there, you think, well, this ain't going to work for a saddle, and you just ditch it and keep going. Yeah. But I like um as an option. Right. For sure. I think uh, if people have tuned into the hunting public they've probably seen your missouri buck um kill from i don't know how many years ago that was but um the one where you started in the stand saw deer moving and then just made that ground set up and shot that big one um what kind of things on that hunt made you like all right i'm gonna ditch the tree stand and i'm gonna go hunt on the ground over however many yards away was it just you seen enough deer using that um, or was it a wind thing or what made you guys made, make that call? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of both. I guess we, we had been in there before scouting and found a bunch of big rubs in there. So we, we set up actually real close to the private line because we thought they were going to come down through the ridges, but they were actually coming down through the bottom more where the co or where the bottom ground met the ridges. So saw those deer go through there and got winded by both of them before they, you know, instead of them coming past where we were sitting mm-hmm. and we got twice and that was over the course of two or three hours. I think we were sitting there and first one came through, got winded. Second one came through, got winded and that was on the same trail. Yep. We just immediately got down, looped way around, got on the downwind side of the trail and then just made the setup from there. Mm-hmm. And the wind was, pretty bad down in there so it was we thought we were going to get winded when we first saw that the one that we ended up shooting pop out but luckily didn't wind us is that is that your best buck but, yep um what that one did you guys tape that one or not nope never taped it no i think it was like 15 points on it or something yeah that was one of the one of the questions on here on Instagram was what is your biggest scored buck? But if you didn't tape it, you probably don't know. Nope, I don't. He That's does know, true. guys. He doesn't know. I like that. That's, um, yeah, that's a good way to go. Uh, Ted, we've asked we've asked a couple people um, uh, that we've had as guests this question, but say um, you just became rich as hell, like just you had like fu money, if you know what I mean, and. You you could like basically hunt private ranches the rest of your life. Would you still hunt public, or would you just basically hunt private because you could do so? Uh, I would probably hunt. I'd probably go on one private ranch hunt, <laughs> yeah. and then I'd go right back to public. But I don't know. We just I like the the whole process of 
trying to figure everything out. And then when you do finally kill something, it's really rewarding. So mm-hmm. I would say I would probably still hunt public, but I don't really know because I don't have that type of money. <laughs> <laughs> you think eventually, uh, like Yana said yesterday, he's like going to the stock trout pond is like a blast the first time. But then you go a second and third time and you're like looking for more of a challenge. I feel mm-hmm. like you'd go to that private ranch once, shoot a 400 inch bowl, and then mm-hmm. you'd freaking want to be back in your tree, your tree saddle and on some public ground. But see what I would do is just yeah. buy some nice property that you can always go to. But I mean, you still got to do those public land hunts. I mean, heck that's, I mean, we have 80 acres of access that we can, that we, that we own in Kansas, but I mean, we do, we probably hunt more days on, public land than we do on that piece every year it's like you got to have a got to have a good mixture i mean that's what keeps it fun but yeah, um sure. the nice public is you can just go in there and if you blow it up you can move on to the next spot mm-hmm. instead of like go in there and blow it up it's like well i can't really go anywhere from here yeah right so what do you uh what do you guys have for um I guess we can kind of go like self filming stuff. What's your, like, if you're going to do a self filmed hunt, what are you running? You running some GoPros and a main camera or how's that look for you? Uh, yeah, we're usually using one or two GoPros and a main camera mm-hmm. self filmed. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg probably takes a little more than that. Like he'll have a couple GoPros and a, or one GoPro, maybe in a 360 camera. And then, um, normal camcorder and maybe DSLR type rigs. Yeah. Which that's a lot. It makes for pretty cool videos. So, mm-hmm. which that is what I just listed there is what we take on a normal hunt with a camp with mm. one guy filming one. So that's everything we'd use. Yeah. Um, but on a self film for me, I usually would take one or two GoPros and just a main camera. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, we didn't use GoPros until we started doing that and we were started splitting up a little bit more. Um, we still mainly hunt together, but you can't beat those things for just, um, easy angles and just setting up and leaving, not having to, not having to have your hands on them or anything like that. It's been extremely helpful, (laughs) but, um, do you have, do you have something like, uh, attached to your bow? Do you put a GoPro on your bow? Um, I don't think I've, I have done that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we on our head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put a GoPro head or on our chest. Yeah. Uh, then using a little stick mount where you can shove it in the ground and then it extends up and put gotcha. it behind you or something. Point it over you. Mm-hmm. I just got, just bought a GoPro remote to put on like my wrist or something. Gotcha. So that way I don't have to click it. I can just mm-hmm. click that. Yeah, I think nice. that would be nice. Nice. But honestly, the GoPros are nice, but they have some issues with overheating and mm-hmm. and getting too cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got them attached to a power bank, then they last. But right. Uh, yeah, they can be a pain in the butt sometimes. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had the only issue with ours really has just been lagging. Like it'll just like freeze. Yeah, it'll just freeze and be like, okay nothing's going on here, um, which isn't ideal, but, um, yeah, let's see what else I got. I think maybe a few more Instagram questions here. Um, people want to know when you're going to have an elk tag in your pocket, <laughs> not this year, last year. Oh, did you have one last year? I, yeah. I shot, I shot a bull with, uh, with a rifle last year in Colorado. Gotcha. So that'll be out in August. Those videos. Gotcha. Are you guys, um, are you guys use vortex optic stuff for binos and rangefinders and stuff? Yep. Cool. All right. Yep. People are running your optic setup. Um, I think we have, we've been using the new crossfire rangefinder. I think that's the one we've been having. And I think that one for archery has been, um, yeah, we used that one in the diamond back. Super, um, awesome. That also came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's too. I got one now that's like you got a red red dot in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I'm not sure which one it is yeah. exactly. I think it might crossfire. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's the yeah the red dot you can't really beat. That's the best stuff. So so kind of give us a 
a rundown of your fall, which, uh, what hunts will you kind of be filming? What hunts will you kind of be, I mean, we already talked about Iowa and Kansas. Um, is those the only tags that you're going to try to fill? You're going to try to pick up an over the counter or what's that look like for you? Uh, the plan right now, I'll have an Iowa tag and a Kansas tag, possibly an elk tag. Maybe if I get something in the leftover draw, mm-hmm. um, but probably going to start out filming Zach in Montana hunting pronghorn in August. I'll start there and then probably go to Wyoming after that and film Ward on his tag. And then maybe that'll be September 1st. Yeah. And then maybe in between that hunt and my Kansas hunt, maybe I'll go on an elk hunt, either filming filming somebody or, or going on tagging my own. I don't, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. We talked about get trying to do the leftover tags in Colorado, but I don't know if we'll do that or not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, then we'll go to, so Kansas will be September 12th. And then after that, probably Iowa, it starts October 1st. Um, and then after that, I don't really know. Yeah. To be honest. If you don't feel that Kansas early season, will you go back? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I'll definitely go back uh, during the rut. Cool. I'd like to rut mostly. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like early season, that'd be cool too. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we I don't know if we've had September action as much. I think we just haven't really hunted a ton in September. But early like, October yeah. has been really good in Kansas for us. So I mean I mean Really? Yeah. In the mid the mid to late September definitely could could be good. I mean our properties um kind of lays out for that October time frame. Um just with more of the bedding cover and timber and less ag and stuff. But I think I feel like it could be pretty decent during that time frame, that early season. Um we always freaking forget, but it's it's, I think it's youth um, muzzleloader, isn't it, during it's, that time it's frame? It's just regular muzzleloader. Oh, it's regular muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. We, we always freak that it's muzzleloader, so we never have an orange. Yeah, we never have an orange on. Everybody's just like, get your orange on. It's muzzleloader season. I'm like, sorry, we always forget. We're freaking Nebraska folks. We're, we'll get our vest on, whatever. But What did you say? Did you ask a question? Is it early? Is it muzzleloader during October or is it during? September? I think it's only September. It, op- it opens like they open muzzleloader like the same day as archery opener. I'm pretty sure, and then run it for eight okay. eight days or something like that. Yeah. So when you're out in Kansas, you'll have to you'll see guys in orange maybe. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, I got a question. What do you guys see, or what's your what do you guys see in the deer doing when you're hunting them in October out there? Like, are they just bedding and going to ag fields or are they? Or yes. Like, yeah. Um, Deer densities are, I don't know. Like, have you, you've hunted Kansas before or not? Yeah. I filmed Jake out there a couple of years ago. Yeah. During I mean, we, was, yeah. Deer densities are like our, at least in our unit, um, we're on the Eastern side of Kansas. Like deer densities are just low. Like if you see, like when we see deer, we're half expecting it to be a buck, um, which is nice, but compared to like other States where we hunt like Nebraska, maybe Iowa's the same. Like we'll see, like we could see like 20, 30 does before like the first buck pops out. Um, so, uh, but like if we see a group of six to eight does on a hunt in Kansas, it's like that's a mega group. Like that's a lot of deer in one group. But. I'd say fresh, fresh sign starts to pop up. Um, yeah. we really don't get a ton of fresh sign in September. It seems, um, we don't spend a ton of time walking around, but we'll be a little bit more intrusive than a lot of people, um, and try to find that fresh sign. But I feel like, like beginning of October, um, I, I killed a buck October 3rd in 2019. And it was just, we, we literally put in that, that licking branch, like a couple hours before, and he was heading straight to it. Um, just off of a bean edge. So, mm-hmm. um, other than that, I think, ag, I think they're still in that summer yeah. ag, ag phase. Cause I mean, September 12th is pretty early. So I think they're, what we've seen is right. they're still doing that, that kind of summer thing. And yeah, depending on I mean, any weather front, yeah. whew, like a weather front during that, I feel like that mid to late yeah. September can be freaking deadly. And every, every, I guess like, it'll be nice to see, uh, it'll depend on where you're at and what the beans are looking like. But, um, that year we killed our field was like way more, our bean field was way more green than the neighbors. And I think that helped us out a little bit too. 
Mm -hmm. Um, they weren't yellowing near as much. I don't know why I feel like we put them in at a similar time, but they did super well that year, which is interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's about it. I freaking, I think you'll have a great hunt. I, I think Kansas offers just a really good opportunity for walk-in stuff. Um, but yeah. 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 I'm, I'm excited about it. I didn't know if I was going to get it. It, I, you have to apply for it back in April mm-hmm. during spring. It didn't come out till last week or something like that. Yeah. Found out two weeks ago, maybe, but yeah, I'm excited because I think it'll be a lot of fun to get out there and try it. We had, we had a, a lot of fun when Jake had his tag yeah. running around on little weehaw stuff. Yeah. And, but that's kind of what I assume. I mean, that's mostly what there is. It's just CRP and ag and mm-hmm. drink little, what it looked like, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Finding that right field or whatever. And hunting it. Right. Yeah. I was, uh, we were messaging a guy, Ryan, um, who follows us and he, he 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 heard uh, Kansas Parks and Wildlife numbers that in 2020 there were 18,000 non-resident applicants and 22 tags available, so there were 3k left over. And then 2021, it jumped to 29,000 applicants and 22,000 tags. So it's like that's pretty insane. I mean, gosh, 11,000. Is it 11? Yeah, oh, yeah 11,000 11, 11, more. more tags, um, which is crazy. But I mean. I think it's, I mean, I think it's still just an insane state for non-residents for sure. So I guess kind of, kind of related to that, Ted, um, obviously there's a little bit of talk around like, um, public hunting, public hunting and crowding and all that stuff. And I feel like you guys have a super positive fan base. Whenever like I'm watching a video, like it seems like all the comments are super positive. Do you guys have people giving you crap for like, like, busting public land spots for an increase of hunters. Like where, like, I guess. And then like, where do you guys stand like as THP in a whole, like with this public land pressure and, and the popularity of public land hunting now? Yeah, we get, we get a few people that are, that are bust, buster balls about it, I guess I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give us crap about it, but, and we have seen the, definitely seen more hunting pressure and it's, we think that some of that is due to COVID. Yeah. More people just having time to go out and hunt. Um, but like the main mission, I guess was when they started, it was to grow or grow more, you know, get more people out in the woods. So that way, you know, hunters can have more of a voice and, in certain things like getting more, getting more access to public ground and, and different stuff like that. So it seems like maybe it's a good thing to get more hunters. I mean, I think for a while it'll be, maybe it'll seem overcrowded and yeah. you know, more and more we'll be getting out there for sure. And we hope that's the case. And then hopefully down the road that will lead into more, more public hunting, more access, more, you know, better things for, for hunters, I guess. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see like how it ebbs and flows. Like if like, obviously, um, public lands got more crowded the last two years. Like if people like see that and then like are changing or like maybe like getting into leases or something, cause they don't want to have to deal with it. It'll be interesting to see if like in another year or two, like we see the pressure go back down or something like that. I, I wish I could see five years in advance of how this is going to play out. And, yeah. And it just depends how, I mean, how, what kind of hunting experience you want to have too, and how much time you can put on there. Cause man, like, I mean, in September in Nebraska, it was, it was insane. Like literally insane. We couldn't get away from guys. Um, and I mean, we hunted what, like 10 or 11 days straight and didn't knock an arrow. But, and then like once other seasons open up, like we went there in late October and man, the first freaking chunk of public we went to, there's a nice buck chasing a doe. Like it just depends where you're going to go. Like, there's so much opportunity that if people are like, man, public land is, it's wrecked. It's, you just can't, you can't kill good bucks in public land anymore. I'm like, that is like the farthest thing from the truth. Cause there's literally so much opportunity and so much ground still, even if you think you've got the most crowded thing ever, I'm like, there's still 100% opportunity there. Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, yeah. We definitely saw 
an increase in, in hunters during that COVID year. And now it seems like it's gone back down a little bit. Um, especially for turkeys, we saw a pretty big uptick in hunters. And then now this year we didn't see nearly as many people out there. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, hopefully as the demand, demand goes up, so does the access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, I think that is the biggest, I think that's the one thing that can really solve any issues on that front, getting more ground. Even if you have a lot more hunters, if you have more places for them to hunt, you're not going to have a, you're not going to have an issue on that front. So let me check Instagram one more time to see how, if we got any more questions that people want you to cover. Um, Ridge is crying. What do you guys do with, uh, you guys kill a lot of deer. Do you guys process and eat that all yourself or do you give it to anywhere or what do you guys do? Yeah, we process it all and eat it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We actually don't have nearly as much meat this year as what we usually do just because we didn't kill as many deer last year, I guess. So yeah, we, we eat it all. Mm -hmm. How do you guys go about, um, like a tough year, like last year for you guys, like, does it uh, start to build up some stress for you guys or are there people in, on the THP crew that get more stress out than others? Or are you guys just like, Hey, like, let's just stay at it. There's, there's nothing we can do about it. We're trying to kill a wild animal here. How do you guys handle that stress? Yeah, we definitely like we'll, we have meetings once a week or whatever, say we're always talking about how to, do better like last year we felt like we had too many tags in our pockets basically like we uh we're spreading ourselves too thin so this year we're kind of cutting back like i said i've got that iowa tag and the kansas tag so i'm going to focus on those to start unless unless i get a tag between now and time season opens which could happen but at this point i don't have any plans to and i think borb's got wyoming and iowa Greg will have South Dakota and Iowa. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we this year I think we're going to just, like I said, try and have more of a structured, all right, we're going to hunt this spot. we got one tag to fill here. And everybody put our heads together and try and get that one tag filled and then right. go to the next. No. Like last year I had. I was hunting pronghorn and then hunting in Wyoming for whitetails and then went elk hunting, then went back to Iowa or no, then went to Missouri, hunted, then went to Iowa, then went back out elk hunting and came back, you know, so we were just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Not, not just focusing all our efforts on one or two tags. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the game plan going into this year. And, um, but we're not too, we're not too stressed out about it. I wouldn't say we're just, just taking a step back and looking at what we can improve on. Right. YouTube is such a, I don't know. It's, it's definitely changed in the last few years of, um, having every hunt be successful, but YouTube and I mean, obviously social media is such like a, I don't know, everybody's showing the successful side of things. But I mean, if you really just look at percentage of tags filled, um, even, even in a Midwest whitetail hunter out West and stuff, I mean, the odds are so slim that it's like, I mean, the fact that people just expect you to punch tags every single hunt you go on is just the most unrealistic thing ever. I mean, last, we just dropped, we dropped a Nebraska mule deer hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, and a uh, Colorado elk. And none of them we filled tags on. Like, we got so close multiple yeah. times, but it's like, I mean, we're just, this is just reality of, I mean, hunting, hunting public land and all over the place with a bow. It's just freaking hard it's it's super freaking hard and i mean if people start giving us a hard time for it i'm just like well just go look at a different channel because we're just not (laughs) those guys that are just going to kill giant animals everywhere we go just with the the hunts we have and the tags we have in our pocket it's just like it's not a thing i mean we're going to try our best but (laughs) yeah yeah just the reality of it i mean just trying 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 to kill kill a wild animal like you said it's funny because a lot of times the interns we'll get here and then we'll be hunting. <laughs> like, we're hunting every day from daylight to dark, just day after day after day after day. And they're, 
I don't remember. I think last year Roy was like, I find I I realized why I you know why you guys are filling tags now. He's like, you just hunting nonstop every day as much as you possibly can. He's like, I always thought there was some real secret thing that you guys were doing. Yeah. No, we're pretty much just <laughs> hard as we can until something goes our way, you know? Right. I mean, eventually, if you put enough time in, it's uh, cards are going to go your way. That's sometimes the only way yeah. you can do it. We, we've kind of, I feel like last year is kind of, uh, we kind of had the spread too thin and thin kind of thing because um, there are several hunts where we were just starting to figure things out and we were like, nope, we got to go back to the family after like four days or something. It's like on that third day, you're finally putting the, pieces together and then you got to head back but that's it, it it can be it can be kind of a hard thing to uh i don't know to balance because you want to have a bunch of different tags and opportunities and stuff but it might it might be best in your interest just to have a couple and kind of go from there yeah i bet that'll work work out good for you guys this year yeah yeah i hope hopefully so cool well that's basically a wrap ted we appreciate you being on um that's some good info yeah. on this stuff i mean people uh hopefully going to be hunting early season um and just kind of keep these things in mind uh it's it's a tough time to hunt but it's also really fun i feel like just um getting out there and scratching that itch finally when you've been waiting through a, a hot summer and stuff to kind of go on those first few hunts um could be really fun so we appreciate you coming on 